0: pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this is us. And in this series of sermons, we're talking about some of the defining characteristics of Christian faith and of life lived together. Today, we turn our attention to hospitality, hospitality, The language that I'm going to use is the language of inclusivity and diversity. And you might ask, why would inclusivity and diversity be a defining characteristic of the Christian faith and of life together? And to answer that question, we need only look at the life of Jesus and who it is that he ushered into the kingdom of God. We begin by looking at his closest followers and among his closest followers were men and women were wealthy, Matthew, Zacchaeus, powerful, Nicodemus. Also, the working class, Peter, James, and John. We would follow him as he would extend his, his ministry, inviting people into the kingdom of God. And we see him inviting Samaritans in the Samaritan woman at the well, Gentiles, the Roman centurion, the Syrophoenician woman. And we see him inviting in the poor, the broken, the downtrodden, the mentally ill. Everywhere that Jesus went, he proclaimed the kingdom of God is at hand. And everyone he met along his journey, he invited to be a part of this. That is at hand. But another way to get at this is to, is to think about, was there anybody that, to whom Jesus closed the door? Was there anybody that he told, no, you cannot enter the kingdom of God? And there were some people that he was pretty hard on. He had some harsh words to say to them. I'm thinking now of the scribes and the Pharisees, some of the religious leaders, not all of them. Remember, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. So was Paul later. But there were some scribes and some Pharisees that he spoke some pretty harsh words to. And he did so because of this very thing that I'm talking about today. The question, who's an insider in the kingdom? Who's an outsider? Who's welcome in and who isn't? You see, the religious leaders, they had an answer to that question. And their answer was that anybody who was like them was welcome to come in. If you thought like them, if you acted like them, even if you looked like them, you were welcome to come in. But if you were different from them in some way, well, not so much. It was as if they kind of drew a line around themselves defining who was an insider, who was an outsider. And the insiders were people who were like them, and the outsiders were people who were different from them. And it was to these people that Jesus spoke harsh words like, you're like whitewashed tombs, he said, all pretty on the outside but nothing but dead bones on the inside. You scour the sea and the land to win a single convert, and when you do, you make that person twice as fit for hell as you are yourself, he said. Some pretty harsh words. As he's talking about this line that they were drawing to separate themselves from other people, he's trying to help them understand that when you draw lines to separate yourself from other people, all you're really doing is cutting yourself off from the very place that you want to be. That's all they were doing, cutting themselves off from the very place they most wanted to be. There's a lesson in that for us, you know, not to draw lines, not to think of ourselves as better than others, and to be an insider, you've got to somehow be like me. There's a lesson in that for us. When Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he meant the world. He meant all people. God loves all people. Now, Jesus wasn't naive. He knows or he knew how difficult it would be to hold together a diverse group of people. I mean, the people that he was gathering, men and women, young and old, people of different nations, different races, some of whom had previously been enemies. He wasn't naive about how it is that you try to bring a sense of unity to such a diverse group of people. And so in the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter, we see Jesus praying. The whole chapter is a prayer. And what he's praying for is for unity in the midst of diversity. Praying for unity in the midst of diversity. Now, St. Paul talks about this same thing. And so I'm gonna to turn to the other St. Paul, Paul Kimmel here. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. <laughs> Who's gonna read Paul's words to us,
1: if that doesn't confuse you, okay. These words are from Paul the Apostle written to various churches in Asia Minor, the first to the church at Ephesus. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And the second to the churches in the area of Galatia, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: Amen. Thank you, Paul. Desert Spring, this is us. We look around, and this is us. As I look around, I see lots of different folks. I see young and old. I see people of different gender, of different race, of different orientation. As I look around, I can see some obvious differences, but I know quite a few of you. And because I know quite a few of you, I know that there's a lot of other ways that we're different as well. I know that here, among us, We have lots of different kinds of life stories, differing life stories, differing cultural practices and values. We have differing politics and differing positions on some of the controversial issues of our day. We even have differing theologies as not all of us understand scriptures in exactly the same way. There's lots of ways that we're different, and yet when I look at our congregation, when I look around, even with all of the differences that are present in this room, I see people who genuinely care for one another, who genuinely care for one another. And this is unique in the midst of a world like ours where there is such divisiveness and such anger and hatred, where it's so easy for people to start drawing lines to separate themselves from other people and to demonize anybody who is different from them. Here, we genuinely care for one another with all of the differences, young and old, different genders different races, different orientations, different life stories, different values, different cultural practices, different politics, different theology, different stands on things, and and yet we're held together as one people, as one body, to use St. Paul's language. How is such unity possible? How? Well, if we were to ask St. Paul that question he would answer it, the short answer would be with three little words. The Holy Spirit. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that there is unity in the midst of diversity. I mean, how else could you bring together such a diverse group of people with differing beliefs and ideas and theologies and the whole, the whole works? How could we bring together such a diverse group of people and hold them together as one if it were not for the power of God? The working of the Holy Spirit, that's what holds us together. But now if we were to unpack it a little further, we'd also have to say that what holds us together is a common decision. Because we who make up Desert Spring have decided that Jesus is going to matter to our lives. That we're going to seek to follow him. And so it's this faith in Jesus this common love of God and the working of the Holy Spirit that's working to help us love one another. This is the stuff of our unity. Unpacking it even further, St. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, where he says there's one God, one Lord, one faith. The stuff of unity. And then he goes on to say, and there's one baptism, a Jesus baptism. Remember the story of Jesus' baptism? How he went down into the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And as he came up out of the water, the scriptures tell us that the heavens opened up and the spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And God spoke saying, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Well, St. Paul wants us to know that that's what happens in our baptism. There's one baptism, a Jesus baptism, that when we're baptized, the heavens open up, the Spirit of God descends upon us like a dove, touching us in a unique way as this, as God speaks to us, saying, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. We are born of the same water. We are born into the same family, sisters and brothers. We belong to one another, born of the same water. This is the stuff of unity, even in the midst of such diversity. But now I don't take our unity for granted. I think back on the book of Acts and how the early church leaders worked and worked and worked to try to bring about and to maintain a sense of unity in the midst of a growing, diverse movement called Christianity. And it continues to require that kind of diligence, that kind of work, all the way up to today. It's not easy, especially given the fact that, while we know that as children of God we belong to one another, we also know we're not perfect. We're not perfect. Sometimes we mess up, and sometimes we get things wrong. I like to think of it this way. When we become a Christian, we are born into a faith as infants, to use St. Paul's language. We're babies when we first become a Christian. There's so much for us to learn, so much for us to seek to understand, so much growing to do. And over the course of our life of faith, we are learning, we are growing, we grow from being infants to children, to adolescents, to youth, to young adults, to adults, and finally to maturity in the full stature of Christ. This is the process of growing as a Christian. We call this growing from infancy to maturity, we call it a journey of faith. And when we set out on this journey, just beginning our faith journey, and we set out on this journey, what do we do? Well, we take with us the stuff of our lives. That's all we know. We pack our bags full of the stuff of our lives to begin this journey of following Jesus. We pack up the stuff that we learned as children. We pack up the values that have been passed on to us. We bring along with us our own brokenness, even our prejudices and our fears. We bring with us the stuff that has been our life. And this journey of faith is one of gradually unpacking those bags. That's what growth in the faith is all about. This stuff being unpacked getting rid of the stuff that doesn't belong in a Christian life, healing us from the brokenness, changing us from sinners into saints. I know that as I look at my own life, I am not the same person that I was 20 or 30 years ago. I don't think the same way. I don't believe all the same things. Why would I? God's been at work. This continual changing, growing me up in my faith. Now, an important question to ask: where are we on that journey? And I suspect that for some of us, we may be infants just starting out, and that's good and it's exciting because there's a whole lot of wonders waiting for you. But maybe, maybe there's some here who have already grown to the place of being, reaching the full stature of Christ. I mean, we've known saints in our life, right? People that simply being in their presence makes us feel closer to God. God can finish what God started in our lives. We can grow to sainthood. But I suspect that for most of us, we're somewhere in between. Somewhere in between being an infant and being the full stature of Christ. The way I depict it is like this. Warn the camera people, I'm getting down on my knees. Okay, Aaron, you may have to help me get back up, okay? Okay. This is how I depict where we are on our faith journey. Okay? We're children, children of God, looking toward Jesus, trying to follow where He leads, growing a little by little as Jesus is unpacking some of the baggage of our life, growing little by little. But then I think about this world in which we live, with all of the divisiveness and the hatred and the controversial issues that come along. And sometimes as Christians, there comes points where we just feel like we got to say something about this stuff. We've got an opinion, and we think we're right. And in the midst of those times of controversy where we are certain that we are right, it's good for us to ask another question. Does this sense of assurance come from a place within us that Jesus has already redeemed? Or is it coming from the baggage that we are carrying along that is yet to be redeemed? It's an important question to ask because it is so easy. To give in to the temptations of the world and to do and to do to do this. To turn our back on the one that we're following. So we can start pointing at other people and tell them, this is what you need to believe. This is how you need to think. This is how you need to act. This is the way you should live. It's so easy for us to get in that position where we start telling other people how they ought to do it, as if we're the measures of what is true and right. We end up taking the posture of a Pharisee. You know, those who who drew lines, separating who's in and who's out. As we tell people, you got to be like me, otherwise you're not one of us. we got to remember who we are as Christians in the midst of times like this. We need to remember who we are. That we're children of God. That we're seeking to follow Jesus, who's working in our hearts, who's working in our lives, who's changing us along the journey. And yes, there are going to come times where we feel like we need to speak. And we should speak. We should offer to the community what it is that we're feeling, what it is that we're thinking, and why. Because the ways that we are different helps to stretch us. It makes us all the better. But it's one thing to speak from this position. It's a very different thing (laughs) to speak from this position position. Saint Paul tells us in Ephesians the importance of humility and of patience <laughs> and of bearing with one another. Humility and patience and bearing with one another as we seek to follow Jesus. None of us here are the Lord. We're all children. On a journey together. And as we take a look at, I'm not getting down here again, okay. (laughs) As we take a look at what it is that brings such a diverse group of people together as one body, well, the words that come to mind are words like humility and patience and bearing with each other. Even as we share a common commitment to following Jesus and as the power of the Holy Spirit is at work within us. I look around this church and I see people from all across this world, young and old, different genders, different orientations, different theologies and different politics and just different in lots and lots of different kinds of ways. And yet as I look upon our diversity, I can see the working of the Holy Spirit in our midst, that unity that holds us together as one people, as one body. And in the midst of a world like ours today, our witness to what is possible could never have been more important. This is us, Desert Spring. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.